Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats and this is a little treat. We're not going to do the whole intro today. I'll just tell you that my name's Kirsty Rice and this is my co-host Nikki Moffat. Hello Nikki Moffat, how are you? Hello Kirsty Rice, I'm fine, thank you very much and how are you? I'm good, I'm in sunny Australia and you are not. I've seen you're in snowy Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in snowy Denmark, it's so exciting because it does not snow here very often and so it is so, so exciting when it does and yesterday was a snow day and as I look out through the just approaching dawn at 8 a.m oh <laughs> there ouch. are there's snow covered cars which means that it's super cold outside because oh, it didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't melt overnight. okay all right Nikki we will kick off we always do a would you could you attached to an expat question um Nikki, I would like to ask you this week, uh, would you or could you move to China as an expat? Well, I mean, you in the current environment mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> or just like in general? This week. <laughs> like let's just say it's this week. And for those who are listening uh, later on, uh, we <laughs> this week is December the 8th, uh, 2022. Yes, 2022. <laughs> so... And maybe I'll, maybe I should say why I'm asking. And that is, Nikki, is because I, I have been really interested uh, by the articles that I've read, the things I've seen, you know, on social media. You quite often now get little bits of video that people share on TikTok now of, you know, and I guess one thing that comes to mind is the, the carload of uh, suburban Chinese people driving along the street and then they just see container after container after container which is temporary accommodation for uh COVID patients yep you know there's been so much conversation about how we are all just so tired of COVID and how COVID still affects our lives but we don't talk about it in the same way and I thought if I was in China, I would want to throttle the West for how they're complaining about COVID at the moment because I think everyone's forgotten that in China they're still living a very, very different uh, reality to what the rest of the world is. Yeah, and we all, every single person remembers being in COVID and someone else in a different part of the world being in a different stage and feeling a little bit resentful or upset about it. Now imagine if that was still going on two years later, (laughs) you know, and and we're all talking about how we've got a form of COVID. PTSD is too strong a word, but we're all affected in some way by COVID and our lives have distinctly changed because of it decisions we make, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, and these people, they're still going through it. So we we have a large group of Fatarati who are in China and they do a very good job of not beating everybody over the head with a stick because I would, I'd be saying, hey, yeah. can you all shut up because <laughs> right. we're all still doing this, but they don't. They, they don't. But I did ask the question in the Two Fat Expats Facebook group the other day saying, I'd be really interested to hear what your life looks like now and, you know, what what you can sort of see happening in the future and people very kindly told us. And I also did that because, you know, after recent press of Doha, I realised that maybe we don't always get the correct story from the media about what happened. So I wanted to hear from people on the ground. And it was suitably scary in some parts of 
we had Faderati who uh, got phone calls at four o'clock in the morning telling them that they were about to be shipped off into quarantine. Yeah. And um, they then uh, were shown pictures from their, their neighbours, showed pictures on the other side of their compound that had hundreds and hundreds of buses that were going to bus, you know, thousands of people from this university into quarantine. Uh, they then started to sort of receive phone calls from the government telling them, you know, you will go. And it was all, it was all over 29 cases of COVID. Yeah. That meant that these thousands of people had to pack up and go. Um, and, and this was a Fatarati who has a, uh, a child and a husband. Um, and so there was this mass confusion about trying to keep them all together and where they would all be put. And she explained to me about being on the bus and the bus stopping um, constantly for the bus driver to ring people because he wasn't too sure exactly where he was taking them. And that confusion and that worry and um, that some people went to five-star hotels but some people went to really, really shocking accommodation that was temporary and not pleasant. Um, and that then when they got there, they had people from the government ringing them saying, where are you, <laughs> even though they'd been taken. So there was that fear of, oh, my gosh, the government thinks I'm actually not even doing what I'm meant to be doing and I am doing what I'm doing. And it all just sounded uh, exhausting, scary and and something that would make you really rethink about your location and what you were doing. Now, I'm, I'm happy to say that a week down the track, this same person can see massive change because there's been a, a real loosening of um, restrictions and, you know, and I guess that's got something to do with too that um, there have been protests and there's been a bit of unrest um, and so people are finding that, that things are changing. But, yeah, so I just wondered, Nikki, because you're in a, you're in a state now, we've talked about it, of, um, you know, you, you are job hunting and considering all different options and looking at businesses and whatever. And I know China is not one flight, so that, that, may, <laughs> that would maybe make up your mind. But if an amazing gig came and it was in China, would you take it? Yeah, I don't think so. I am still, as you know, quite traumatised by not being able to, to enter Australia, um, even though I never needed to. It was the thought process for me that was a lot too much to take. Yes. And so not being able to also leave the country that you're living in or um, to go to another place would also be quite traumatic for me. And, you know, Hong Kong is part of China in the one country, two systems, and they don't have quite as tough restrictions as as mainland China, but they, there are still quite significant things in place. And so, you know, and Hong Kong is on our list and it, and that's on in, in, on the spreadsheet. It's on the spreadsheet to say, ah, oh, but COVID because they have proven to, yes. to, show, to show that they can at short notice do considerable things. I one of my favorite things from this week that I'll talk about later but I had a lunch on Saturday with a lot of with some young people and one of the young people that came was a guy <laughs> that uh I was friends with his friend's mother 
in Atlanta and his he, my friend's son has gone to work in China and so he had met Sean and Sean has only ever lived in China. He's 28 and he had taught himself English and Danish and recently oh. arrived in Denmark to study at university here. And, of course, we were fascinated. We were asking so many questions about China yes. and COVID and lockdowns. And, you know, he was very thoughtful in his responses. And But one story he did tell was of my friend's son who was last year expecting a five-day lockdown and was locked for 80 days in an apartment with five friends who just happened to be together in an apartment where two people lived when the lockdown happened. <sighs> so they were stuck for 80 days together, five of them, in a space that was not built for five people. And so, and you know, we had someone, yeah, we had someone in the Federati who said the same thing. They yeah. said that um, they had dozens of friends who had dinner at a friend's house yeah. and that by the time they'd finished their dinner, the subdivision or the buildings were in lockdown for days and there was barely any space for anyone to sleep. Yeah. Now, I can think of lots of people I'd happily have dinner with, but I wouldn't want to have a sleepover. <laughs> for the next 80 days. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yes, I would not at the moment choose China as location. Kirsty, would you? Uh, yeah, I think I still would. I think if it, <laughs> if it was a really, I think if it was a really, really good gig, because I haven't, I went to Shanghai. Well, you yes. and I went to Shanghai together. together. Um, and I really was quite taken with Shanghai. I, I really liked it. I, I think, yeah, because I was, I was really, I was fascinated by the technology of what they could do. Well, we have that technology now um, that they had then. Because I remember, can you remember, Nikki, we were, we were blown away. People were telling us stories about how, oh, if we wanted, a, you know, a leopard skin crayfish holding socks or whatever, <laughs> I don't know, like if we wanted something so, so random, you know, we could get it here in half an hour. Yes. And, and that was all through what they could do. Well, I think in now in most major cities you could probably do that. I mean, Qatar, I can now, you know, order something on H&M and Zara and it's at my house in, you know, 45 minutes. This is mind-blowing if you know the Qatar I arrived at to the Qatar that is there now. Yep. I mean, my hairdryer blo broke and I hopped on you know, the delivery service and I had a hairdryer before my hair had got dry. Um, that was that was unheard of, right? But see, well, that was China Copenhagen. when we were there. So when, yeah, so that must have been about 2016, 2017 we were there, Nikki, yep, do you reckon? it was two, 2017. So. I still had I think, short yeah. hair. You still yeah. had short hair. Um, well, I do it by when I had cat, when yes, I was diagnosed yes. and then how long it took my hair to grow back. So, yeah, so 2017. So I guess it would depend on the gig. It would depend. I, I I think I have probably enough hope that um, things are changing. I know also the vaccination I've had is a goodie and I would be able to keep doing it. I mean, they, they say that that is half the problem in China is that they have very low vaccination rates. But they haven't um, mandated we, vaccinations, but they've mandated no, lockdowns. No, and and uh, my friend uh, who is in the know and works in the medical industry was, was saying that that was one of the things that blew her mind was when you asked local people, they would tell you that their parents hadn't, have been vaccinated because they didn't trust the vaccine 
and that they'd spoken to their doctors about it and their doctors had not told them that they had to have the vaccine, that the doctors had said, well, they weren't sure about it either. And it's the efficacy of the vaccine as well um, of people that had the particular Chinese because there was a lot of, you know, losing face over wanting certain technology that, you know, they didn't have at that point and whatever. So, oh, Nikki, I don't know. See, I think I really would go anywhere, I reckon. There's not many places I wouldn't go to because I'm nosy and I'm, I, I just love it, you know, and I, and I have found the harder the location, the better, the better the gig has always been. I agree with that. The harder location, the better the experience overall. Yes. And look, I hear you and I agree with you, but I'm just at this stage now where I've just been separated from my children. I think I'm in the first year of that. And so maybe that's yes. also got something to do with my mindset and the way I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And the age of and all these different things. So, yeah, we can have different opinions. That's okay. All right, Kirsty, so on moving and in in other issues facing the Fatarati significantly and particularly since the C word, would you, could you, in this current environment of super delayed shipping of household goods, make somewhere feel like home when you have a shipment arriving but not for a few months? And this question was inspired by a post on Two Fat Expats, the Facebook group, where somebody is in a situation where they're just are waiting and desperate for their furniture to arrive and their husband says, when the shipping container comes, and they're just so sick of it and they feel so grim. Because as we know, when you arrive in a new place, you have the the up of arriving and the excitement and the I can deal with anything. And then afterwards you have usually a little dip or you feel a little bit sorry for yourself and it is nice to have your own things around you. I guess the real question is how do you make somewhere feel like home Yes, um, without your container, isn't it? And, yeah, I think you can. I actually think I I totally understand the um, annoying horror of waiting for your shipment. We've all done it. Yeah, The worst one I ever did was, yeah, I think, (laughs) The mice. What was it? Seven. Yeah, the the mice in, in Calgary, we waited seven months. But also getting the furniture to Libya, we waited some enormous amount of time. And uh, even moving to Qatar, we waited an enormous amount of time before it came. And I, I totally identify with that pain of I just want my own things. Having said that, when we moved into our place in Qatar, we we were in the stage, we had to get out of the hotel. I imagine we were probably too expensive, family of six. And um, so we had to move into the compound with nothing. Camping. I can remember we had blow-up air mattresses. Yep. And yeah, we were yeah we were camping. This is it, isn't it? It's the age of your children yes. too. Because... You can have kids where they think it is the most fun thing in the world yeah. to be camping and all together and whatever, or you can have a baby and know none of your baby needs. Um, I know when we moved to Libya, I we all were in one room. That was my husband and I were in one bed. The baby slept in its baby carrier, you know, bucket basket thing that clipped into the car and did everything. That was Annabelle. And then (laughs) Lizzie was in the bed next door. And we were like that 
Nikki for months. We lived like that. I cannot believe we did that. Whereas, you know, if they were 16, yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be so fun. Yeah, and I don't think Annie would have slept in that bucket. (laughs) So yeah, so what does make somewhere home? I 100% agreed with just buy things that you really miss and just have them. And because you can as someone said, you can sell or donate duplicates later. But things that you really want, because you, because we want to live, the, you know, we want, we say, oh, it's in the container. We don't really, you know, we'll have it when it comes. It's a pain we don't have it now. But why, like in some cases, just why do you have to wait? Just buy better, buy something. And if you were going to upgrade it or if you're going to get the same, whatever, just, just get it because it's, and it's also a treat and it gives you a little bit of a a boost and feels better about, you know, and you might make a connection by going into a shop and meeting a local or something. So there's all sorts of benefits to buying something that you might be missing. Someone advises that they always rent furniture at their new destination. Yeah. And I have done that, but it's been a very unpleasant experience yes. too. Yes. Because rental furniture is is sometimes far more depressing. Yeah. Um so yeah, I and I think I think the other advice of buying something local that you feel that you know you'll keep because I think too if you go try and hold off as long as you can because if you do go and buy the IKEA you know buffet or whatever yeah. you will regret it. You will regret it. When, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 So I think yeah. when we had our second move or third move, I said to my husband, "Okay, you can't buy anything new because you're not you're not going to buy something. So you can only buy something new if it's going to be better than what we've got, because you can't just keep going and buying the the cheap." Yes. It'll make joy stuff because one, it brings you no yes. joy. There's no joy in it. No. And and no. two, you're just going to regret it later when your stuff comes and you're like, well, I don't need this anymore because it's crap. So, yes. Yes. Uh, and I can't throw it out because it's really not sustainable and I will feel like a terrible human being for the waste yeah. <laughs> that I have caused. And I think this is a good one. Buy lots of candles and lots of pot plants because I think yes. if you put, lots of pot plants around that can really help you out or a really good set of bed sheets um you know those sorts of things that you're not du- you're not really doubling up because i mean you're always going to use your bed sheets aren't you yeah and secondhand shops look for secondhand shops with decent little things in them too yeah and it can be a little bit of an adventure right so you you you're learning about a new place and you go out and you find all the things because often you'll move somewhere and I don't go through department stores because I don't need things from there. So I don't visit them. So it's, it's, um, and because I'm like, Oh, I don't want to spend more money because we've just moved and blah, 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 blah. So, but it can be an experience where you discover parts of your new city that you're interested in because by having an exploration, so you make it, it's double win-win. You make it an adventure and, you know, find out some good stuff along the way. Yeah, I just think coming up to this time of year as well, depending where you're moving. I mean, if you're moving to the southern hemisphere, hopefully you've got lots of sunshine and you're near near some water and so your life is set. It's made. <laughs> but if you're moving to yeah. the northern hemisphere and you're looking out the window and it's grey and miserable, then, yeah, pot plants and candles yeah. for the win. Very hoogly, as they say here in Denmark. 
must have all the hygge. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, Nikki, I was just thinking, I had a little flashback for a minute there. I've been watching the Bare Naked Ladies on um, uh, my Instagram. They're doing a tour at the moment. They're a very Canadian band for those yes. that don't know. Very, very Canadian. Love them. I've been watching them and you know when you you just go back in time to a different place because it's a freezing where they are. It's like minus 30. They've been touring. They were in Edmonton last night. They're on their way to Red Deer. So they're, they're in my old neck of the woods because I used to work in Calgary and then travel up to Edmonton for work. And you, know, you can watch it and you can you can smell it. You can taste yep. it because you can see just how freezing cold it is. But I was just thinking then, and this is kind of along the lines of the furniture and the not knowing and when you get something, you buy something. So when we got to to Calgary, we had three children, I think, under four, and we'd never lived in the cold. We'd never, ever experienced anything like it. And um, that was our big fear, you know, oh, we don't know how to put chains on tyres. Well, we never had to put chains on tyres <laughs> once. But, you know, we don't know how to drive in that sort of weather. We don't know how to live in that sort of weather. But I can remember my husband had this real thing that we had to go to this shop called, and every Canadian is going to laugh, it was called MEC, which stands for Mountain Equipment Company. Oh, yes. you got to go to the go-off. And- <laughs> Yeah, and my husband really was like, we've got to go to MEC because they'll have all the things we need, you know, to survive and live in the winter. But the thing is, I wouldn't in a million years have ever worn MEC, right, in my if even if I'd grown up a Canadian, I don't think it would have been in my repertoire. And maybe North Face would have, but I just don't think it ever would have been my thing. I wasn't a skier. I wasn't. I was going to say because they've got all the underclothes. They've got all the thermals. They've got all the underclothes and the mountain hiking and then whatever. But what it meant was my wardrobe consisted of a lot of MEC, which didn't make me feel good, Nikki. There was no goodness. There was no, okay. geez, so I look sexy in this puffer jacket. <laughs> here's a warning. When you're moving to a new country, don't just buy stuff. Look around you. Look at what people on the street yes. are wearing because you want to fit in. Yes. You don't want to be the tourist. Yes. <laughs> Do you know, I remember sitting in the car park because, you know, when you've got children that little, you've got to swap and go in and out at different times and things. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the car park and a man walked past. He was wearing shorts, socks and sandals and it was about three degrees. <laughs> and... <laughs> So if I would have looked around and taken a cue from him, it would have been really dangerous. But, yes, that's the thing is that take your time. Don't get rushed in. Don't let your husband convince you that you have to buy <laughs> to things MEC. from MEC. <laughs> Go to MEC. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with MEC either if anyone's abusing me from Canada. It's a great shop, but I was never going to be a mountain climber. <laughs> Okay, Nikki, I am busting to tell you about my three favourite things because I have one favourite thing that is truly probably my most favourite thing this year. Oh, this year and, and, we're, and we're in December so it's got to be good. Uh-huh. It is really good. So it's called Colin from Accounts and it is Australian. It's on binge if you have binge as the app 
if uh, if you're in Australia, I believe it's on Foxtel. Um, but yeah, if you can get Binge, the app, go there. It is the first thing in a long time where I have turned something on. It was late at night. G and I were both ill and turned it on and could not stop watching and just had to roll through. We just loved it. The premise of the show is he's mid-40s, owns a brewery, lives in Sydney. She lives in a similar neighbourhood. She's training to be a doctor. Uh, One day she's walking across the street. Uh, They have a bit of an interaction and he he is distracted by her and uh, he hits a dog and uh, they then are drawn together by the fact that they're both involved in this accident where this dog's been hurt. They go to the vets. The vet quotes a price of $12,000 for the dog to be fixed because they've broken its legs. It's now a dog that has to have one of those little carriages with yeah. the wheels on the back and um, and. Of course, the dog is very cute. It's a terrier and there's the whole, they have no relationship with this dog, but, you know, do you euthanise it? Do you, or do you front up with a bill? So the whole premise of the show is there, them coming together through the dog and how they have to look after the dog. There are so many laugh out loud moments because it really is a rom-com. It's, there's a lot of the, um, the awkwardness of a new relationship, uh, the are we in a relationship, the parents, the craziness of parents, um, his friends and their age compared to her friends and her age. They really are two very different generations of people. Um, And they are just brilliant actors. So Patrick Brammel and Harriet Dyer are the two main characters. And Patrick Brammel, I have loved for ages. He was in Christmas with the Moody's. He was in Middle Age Bogan. He was uh, in Offspring. He was the nurse in Offspring or the midwife. Um, Yeah, just a a brilliant actor. I was absolutely delighted to find out through Google afterwards that they are married as a couple. so, but just they bounce off each other so well. She was in Love Child. She was all also in Christmas with the Moody's. Um, I can't remember what else I've seen her in. She's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. She is a brilliant actress. Like just the comedic timing of these two, and I'm not. I just don't want to ruin it by telling you any of the <laughs> the comedy because it is really funny and great and lovely and. You know, I guess just that the prettiness of Sydney and the happiness and the the just the energy of the show. I loved it, loved it, loved it. So please go and watch Colin from Accounts. We've started watching Shetland because we've never watched Shetland and we needed to find something that had lots and lots of you know seasons to watch because <laughs> yes. we got sick. And and not bad. I would call it sort of if you're stuck at home on a Saturday night viewing, maybe. Yeah, I I think so. You know, there's always it's one of those shows where you go, geez, a lot of people die in this tiny little place, <laughs> don't they? As in, as in all um, good BBC shows. Yes, yes. So I would say yes to Shetland. Um, and 
Uh, I'm going to do a quirky one here because this is our favourite things. Nikki, I cannot do those stick-on eyelashes where you go and get false lashes at the um, beautician. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to the glue and oh, I get goodness. really red, nasty eyes and it's you know not fun. I have discovered now magnetic eyelashes. So... I've only worn them the once. That was when I went to a ball, you know, before we went mm-hmm. off to Thailand. But life-changing in that I don't have to suffer the the glue and the, the misery and that these little magnetic eyelashes, have you ever used them? I have not. My eyelashes are very mm. short and stumpy and unimpressive. And so I veer away from anything that might pull any of them out because I can't afford right. to lose any of them. You can't afford to lose any. But but yeah, magnetic no, eyelashes would... sound quite good because it's always the yeah. glue that pulls away your original eyelashes when yes. you pull it off. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were really good and quite easy to apply and, um, you know, also they're not a waste in that you just pop them back in their container and use them again later. There's none of this. They don't just wash down the down the shower drain. Perfect. Well, that sounds like a plan. I'm going out to look for magnetic eyelashes. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And if there's anyone listening in Doha, yes, you can get them in Doha. Um, so, but yes, that that was where I found them. Um, okay, Nikki, busting, what are your three favourite okay, things? Okay, so my three favourite things. So the first one is the international gatherings of the young people that I had this week. So on Saturday we had, so... Uh, my daughter came home from school last week in Australia, which is so exciting, and she'd be here. And the f- hilarious thing, I came home. It took me a week to stay up after 5.30 at night in the evening because it gets dark at 4 o'clock. And so I was up at 3 o'clock, and it was just uh, my, my re-entry into Denmark was really tough, um, jet lag-wise. She gets off the plane at lunchtime, has some lunch, has a shower, uh, heads off to school to meet all her friends for the end of the school day, goes out, watches the Australia-Denmark match, comes home, <laughs> goes to bed. I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I wish I was young again. Anyway, on the day that she came back, we also had a, uh, welcomed another visitor, a young a young man, I say, who, and uh, earlier this year we had another girlfriend's uh, daughter stay who's doing a semester in Copenhagen University. So these are all kids who in Hong Kong used to play together in the playground. And, of course, now they've grown up all in different countries and they're not sort of in contact and they're not sort of as close friends as they were. But they are now, the oldest one is 26. And so he's just come from doing slow travel across. He flew to Kazakhstan and he's been travelling across Europe from Kazakhstan all the way to Copenhagen and he came here because, well, we were here so he had somewhere to stay and also because um, my other girlfriend's daughter is here at university. So uh, they they caught up. But it was just so lovely to see the three of them together and, you know, they're 26, 23 and 16. So my daughter was always by far the youngest, one of the youngest in the group. But, like, we have photos of them from the playground in Hong Kong, and now they are really sort of all actual people and sort of all able to yes. sort of interact and sit at a table and chat. And then the the fourth uh, person or the fourth extra person at the table was um, the guy I talked about before, who is a Chinese uh, student from from China who's here studying. And I said to him because he contacted me when he arrived. He said, "You know, um, 
Vance put us in touch and uh, I said, oh, I'd love to see you. I said, but, you know, I'm in Australia. And then I got back and so I said, okay, well, why, why don't you come for lunch? Because all these people from, from our life in Hong Kong are here. So he turns up and it's like, you guys were all born in Hong Kong? And they all look at him and go, yeah, we we're all born in Hong Kong. <laughs> They're sort of very European face. He's like, yeah, what I've learned is you shouldn't always expect something, you know. Um, so, but it was just so lovely to see the four of them sit around the table and just talk about things, you know, and we talked about our life in Hong Kong, but we also talked about so many other things, talked a lot about China and just, it's just so lovely to see. And one of the things as expats we have is that our families, you, you know, you get very close to people in a location for a certain amount of time, and then you may not see them for so many years and you may not ever see their children again, you know, because you catch up with yes. adults or whatever. So it was just absolutely a treat and a privilege and a delight yes. to have these people at our table and have a, just a beautiful, lazy, long lunch with them on a Saturday afternoon and just to catch up and just to know them as adult, as young adults. And I was just thrilled i just really yes. was really one of my favorite things of the week yeah uh, it's funny how it gives us so much joy isn't it because i i know with my elder she is very good friends with a good friend's daughter whether they're, they're not the same nationality they did just have a few years at the same school and i know they call each other in times of need yeah you know and one's living in europe and one and my daughter's here yeah and she said it almost, she said her, their friendship really works because my daughter works in hospitality so quite often comes home at all hours of the night, but it's the perfect time to re ring Kate in Amsterdam, <laughs> you know, right. like it's a great time. <laughs> so, yeah, but it is, it gives you great joy, doesn't it? Because I, th is it because you think, well, it wasn't a complete waste of time? Do you yeah. know, it was. Yeah, yeah. and I really regret, uh, one of my regrets is that my children haven't had a lot of, you know, family, friends, you know, that we always go back the same year after year. Yes. And growing up in Australia, I had yeah. that and I had that with my cousins and I had it with, you know, family, friends. So people who you're unrelated to, slightly different ages than you, but it's sort of how you learn to talk to people as well who are different ages or, yes. you know, like it's it's part of that process. And so I was just, I was just really thrilled anyway. And, and it was something I thought they might've missed out on and they have missed out on it in general, but this was, just me being able to say, oh, you know, and I and I said to Willow afterwards, I was like, you know, you can go and stay with these people's parents in these other countries because, you know, yeah, uh, and, and not because we've we've they've stayed with us, but just because this is what you can do. This is the world that's yes. available to you because this has happened. So, yeah, yes, that was part of it. Yeah, for me, totally agree. Yeah, um, gorgeous. Yeah, the other thing is white lotus, white lotus season two. Loving well, lots it. Lots of people are talking about yes, that. Yes, they are. It, I'm not yeah, very original. It's very good. But um, it's based in Sicily at the uh, Four, Seasons, uh, Four Seasons Hotel in Sicily is, is where it was filmed. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's a different location. It's a different I location. So they've just, well, like in the first season, and I'm not any spoilers because it's over a year ago, people, if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. But, you know, the hotel manager does die. So, <laughs> it was, yes. so what they've done is they've done the whole They've said, you know, welcome to a White Lotus Hotel. So they're sort of continuing the brand. And then the continuity of characters is Jennifer Coolidge is the her character of Tanya, who's now married to the love interest from season one, is the same guest. So she was a, a guest uh, at the White Lotus in 
in Hawaii and now she's a guest at the White Lotus in Sicily. And then there's a whole right. other new cast of characters and just decadence over, over, <laughs> you know, we love to watch wealthy people on holidays whose lives aren't really as good as they think they are. So again, it opens with a dead body or bodies in the water. And this time we know they are guests because that's uh, in the yes. opening scene. And so we're getting to the end of the pointy end of the season. There's only two episodes to go. So, but oh. it's been a whole other thing because Italy as a visual is amazing. You know, it's so beautiful. And yes. I think that that was one of the things of COVID is that we wanted White Lotus season one was during COVID. So we wanted to see people on holidays. We wanted to see people living this life that we could not lead um and yes. and they did it in hawaii because it was all very remote and easy and now we're sort of in sicily so it's more there are cities and there are wineries and there are ta- little towns and there as well as the hotel whereas in season one it was just the hotel whereas now we're seeing mm. more of the actual beauty and complexity and that is Italy. So, uh, well, Sicily, loving it, really, really enjoying it and super, super excited to see who it is that that, that, that the dead people are. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I I would do it. I would would recommend to watch that if you haven't already. I'm sure most people have probably started. The third thing. I haven't. Oh, you haven't? haven't. Okay. Thank you. Well, you can. So thank you, thank you. I will. Okay. The third thing is something that I watched, binged recently, and, you know, your son and I should maybe have this conversation, but Wednesday (laughs) on Netflix. So Wednesday being a reference to Wednesday from the Adams Family and Christina Ritchie was the original Wednesday uh, back in the day. And now Christina Ritchie plays a role in this series. So it's sort of a, a full circle, which is lovely. But it's just, it's so funny. It's so uh, cute. And, but it's a drama, it's a little bit dramatic, a little bit of comedy. YA, definitely. Uh, one for the whole family, um, if you want to, but obviously I can watch these things by myself. I don't need children to watch them with me. My daughter was a little bit disdainful about it. So, but yeah, no, it's fun. And it just reminds you um, of all those, you know, we watched The Addams Family, which was a TV show when we were growing up. It was one of those ones on in the kids' time on, you know, whatever. It was black and white. And if you remember it, so they just make, bring all the characters and have sort of a modern twist on them. And there is a very, very now famous dancing scene in it, which is just absolutely hilarious. I was about to say, I've (laughs) seen that. I don't know why I've seen seen it, but I've seen it. And, yeah, yeah, she is super cool in that dance scene. Yeah. And that's just, that, that is sort of a highlight, but it's just very indicative. She's just such, I think she's a great actor in, in just, terms of how she delivers her lines and the deadpanness of you know what would be really horrifying and she just sort of deadpans a whole lot of it so yeah no that's on my list because we can't go without me having some a little bit of trash tv and of course today today in 15 minutes uh the harry and megan part one of the six episode series drops Mm. so we'll see Mm. (laughs) i'm not being a snob saying oh i'm not going to watch it you know because it's beneath me that i i um I just don't want to watch it because I know I'm going to get bombarded with it in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, I won't need to watch it. It'll be there. Fair enough. Everywhere. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. Kirsty, so lovely to talk to you. Um, welcome back to Australia 
And uh, you had a socceroo on your flight. That was exciting. I saw a little bit of. Oh my gosh. I did have a socceroo on my flight. Can I briefly tell everyone about that? I think because we need I think to. That was so, yeah, that was so super cool. So. Yes, I flew back at the, at the back of the plane, as you can well imagine. <laughs> so when my daughters pick me up from the airport, we usually do a drive-by. You walk out the front to the, you know, where the cars can go past and yep. they throw me in the car. But very in a very special way, my son came to pick me up and he was not having any of that. He was coming in to collect me, which is very, very sweet. So he was inside the airport and sent me a text and said, Mum, there's someone special on your flight because there's new, there's three news crews here and a huge crowd of people. And I was like, oh, how exciting. <laughs> Not putting two and two together. <laughs> then and, you just flown from Qatar. Um, like that means that. Yes, because they had gone. What didn't make sense to me, it did fl- flutter through my mind, but they'd they'd most of the people from Sydney and Melbourne had gone the day before. Right. Um. Anyway, and he said, uh, oh, they're singing Freed from Desire. Anyway, all the football teams sing it, whether you're an AFL or you're a cricketer or you're you know, a soccer player, it's your victory song. But I can remember at the Socceroos games, they would sing that, they would sing your defence is terrified because Goodwin's on fire. And so um, I said when he said they're singing Free From Desire, I said, are they actually singing Goodwin's on fire? And Fred goes, that's it. That's what they're singing. So I realised that we had Craig Goodwin on the plane. And just like, you know, uh, Nikki, you always talk about how people ask you in Australia, um, you know, do you know Mary Smith? Yeah. I went, I met her at a pub in New York and you have to explain. Well, in typical fashion, I met Craig Goodwin's mother in the lineup at the FIFA store outside the um, Argentina-Australia game where this woman was standing there and we got talking and then we, she said, I'm from Adelaide and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, you're, so you're a big soccer fan? And she said, no, not really, but my daughter is married to one of the Socceroos, to Craig Goodwin. Anyway, so the bizarreness of A, when you got off the, when you walked out of customs and through immigration and whatever, all these people that were waiting for him were so riled up that everyone that came out, they cheered. Yeah. So all these randoms are coming out and they'd go, yay. And then when they'd realize it wasn't Craig Goodwin, they'd say, welcome to Australia. And then make all these jokes about, we do this for everyone when they arrive in Australia. <laughs> we set up a welcoming party and we cheer. Anyway, so they did that and then Freddie and I decided we'd stay and wait for him to come out and then out he came. Fred launched at him to shake his hands, which got him on every news crew thing you can imagine. But then, of course, Nana Goodwin comes out as well and I had to say, oh, hi, because we'd chatted in the line only a few days ago. That is a weird thing when you've been in one country and just met someone and three days later, you're in a different country, and you're old pals because you've because you spent you know two minutes in a line together. Anyway, it was exciting. What I loved, loved, loved about it the most, Nikki, was 
when Australia lost against Argentina, it you know it was rightfully sad for Australia because they you could tell that they really had belief and they really believed right up until the end that this was a possibility, and that was just terrific coaching on their behalf because they really are a team of misfits you know there was there's no superstars in that team there's no one playing you know the kid who got off the plane in Adelaide he has a job he just plays soccer for the Adelaide United team but he does other things as well and so when they when they lost and they were crying and they were you know on their knees of course the stadium was so one-sided that it was 39,000 Argentinians just screaming and singing. And I was so happy for the Argentinians. You couldn't help but be happy for the Argentinians because it was just this beautiful relation. And to see Lionel Messi or Lionel Messi, who earns, you know, 44 million bucks a year playing for Paris St. James, to see him... um, jumping up and down in pure ecstasy. You know, he was part of the crowd as well. You could tell it really meant something. And so, but what was hard was because there were so many of them, it was like they kind of forgot that Australia was there. So they just sang and they 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 they didn't stop singing. So there there was no moment for the Australians where they got clapped off or that they got to spend time with their people because it really was the Argentinians, the Argentinians um, stadium, yeah. you know, like, so, you know, even in an AFL grand final, if you lose, your captain goes up and he makes a speech and thanks the other team yeah. and you get to clap and say, well done. There was none of that. There was no, there was no end. It was just, oh, wow, look at all those Argentinians <laughs> jumping up and down. And they just kept singing and eventually the Australians just left. And so what, What um, was so beautiful about seeing this in Australia is I've been saying to people at the World Cup all the way through, like Craig Goodwin kicked two goals. I remember he kicked a goal and I said to the guy from Lebanon next to me, nobody knows who that man is in my hometown. He could walk down the street and no one would know. And my new bestie from Lebanon was like, no way. (laughs) He must be a millionaire. He'd get paid a fortune. Nope. And um, so to see him have his moment and you go, and all these kids were there and they all wanted their Guernsey signed. And so you were like, oh, yeah, well, I feel okay now because you've, you know, you've this is your moment. The Argentinians had their moment with their crowd, yeah. and now this, this is your, your moment, moment with yeah. your crowd. Yeah, so it was. It was really nice. But yes, I've spoken for far too long about that. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. So this is, uh, and I think we'll do one more episode next week and do maybe a little bit of a wrap up on the year, and then we'll yes. have a little bit of a break because it will be the season. All right, Kirsty. Yes. Good chat. Have a lovely. Evening. It's my morning. The sun's just come up. It's eight fifty nine a.m. And I okay. And I will speak to you next week. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Bye.